Cincinnati's ready for the Big 12. It's, it was time for this time. I am fired up. It's a blessing to be able to be in this league with y'all, you know, putting on for UC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Bearcats podcast. I am your host, Brandon. And as you can see here, right from the jump, we are starting our Big 12 road trip, if you will, our getting to know our, our new conference mates. We are starting it with someone, some a couple of guys you probably are very familiar with, thanks to Twitter.com. We have Kyle and Rob from the Gambling Gauchos of Texas Tech. Gentlemen, welcome in to the podcast. How you doing, Brandon? Thanks for having us. Absolutely, gentlemen. Certainly uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Uh, this is sort of the kickoff episode for this, uh, this I guess, series, if you will. The uh, I promise the listeners that I would give them an episode every week of the off season. And uh, last week we had our uh, we had a, a pretty big episode with our um, our NIL guy, if you will, our rainmaker that I dubbed him. Uh, we talked about the new Cincy Light beer and everything to kick kick it off. But now we have we're getting into the meat and potatoes, if you will, with you guys here. I'm super excited to talk Texas Tech with you guys this evening. Uh, before we jump into everything, we're going to we'll talk football, basketball, baseball, what have you. Uh, we'll talk about tortillas. I'm anxious to, to, to learn about what all that's about. Uh, before we do all of that, though, it is time for a beer. Now, officially brought to you by the Delhi Liquor Store. So the Delhi Liquor Store, they have everything you need for a great party, tailgate, whether it's wine, bourbon, cigars, and of course, if you just need a beer on the way home, they have you covered. Be sure to give them a like on Facebook, a follow on Twitter, so you can stay up to date on all the happenings happening at the Delhi liquor store this one this evening if i can find my camera kind of kind of bright here this is spruce lee a plus name from sixth sense brewing which is out of jackson ohio very small town close to my hometown really uh but here's a look at it this is what i'll be sipping on throughout the evening gentlemen if you're uh if you're sipping on anything please share you've got some uh, kirkland signature water Alkaline. Very nice. Hydrating. I am drinking the tears of my enemies and haters, and that's all. Uh, I do want, though, I, uh, I saw Cincinnati. They have one of the coolest NIL ideas I've seen. I guess you'll have a local brewery there that um, pays a portion of beer money back into the football program. That is probably the quickest and most efficient way to get fans on board with any NIL deal, and so I I commend Cincinnati on that. That's a that's a really cool idea. Yeah, that's um, well. The fans have been asking for a um, a beer partnership for a while. Uh, myself included, obviously, being the Go Beer Cats podcast. But yeah, Rheingeist is the uh, the largest brewery in the city and one of the largest in the region. Whatever, however they you know figure out that geography. But uh, super excited. June thirtieth is the release party at the Tap Room downtown and. Uh, they open at noon, and I plan on being there at about 11.50 a.m. to be uh, one of the first ones to try it. So super excited about that. Now, as I, I, you know, I try to do my homework on, on this gentleman. I know there's 
a handful of uh, colleges, universities that partner with breweries. Uh, like, for example, I know Oklahoma State does. They have the original 1890. Does Texas Tech have anything like that uh, already or, or in the works that you guys know of? There is an af- official uh, canned cocktail at the games. Okay. All hands. Um, but I don't believe there's an official Texas Tech collab with any of the breweries. There are some very good breweries here in Lubbock. Um, part of the culture is a growing brewery scene. Um, the local soccer team has a Dos Doctores from Two Docs, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't have any for Texas Tech. I think that's probably you know the next step. I, I've seen a lot of schools doing that. Cincinnati certainly has a great one, but that seems like a natural fit here in Lubbock. Definitely. So let's, you know, that's kind of, I mean, great transition there. If, if fans are, are going to make the trip uh, out to, to Lubbock to, to check out a game, whether it's football, basketball, you know, what have you, uh, how, let's start off with some of those brewery or bar restaurant uh, suggestions that you would definitely have people check out. There's a, in my opinion, a pretty good variety depending on what you like and, I, I, so I actually, I used to work for the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. So you, you've kind of come to the right guy here. Um, people don't know this about Lubbock and the West Texas region, but um, a, so Texas has a pretty big uh, wine scene, you know, like everybody thinks California, but besides mm-hmm. California, Texas is like right there, kind of the number two wine producing state um, in the country or close to it. And all those wine grapes that uh, Texas wine is made out of, about 80% of them are grown in and around the Lubbock area. So with that has come, you know, several wineries have popped up in the area. Like Rob mentioned, a growing brewery scene. I think we're up to at least four or five now, kind of like standalone breweries. And then, of course, the local cuisine. You've got really good options. I'm not going to segue into one of our ad reads, but there is good barbecue in West Texas. Really good Tex-Mex. And so... Uh, not to disparage Ohio, but I would imagine probably different cuisine is more popular up there in the Midwest. So anyway, if there are fans from Cincinnati that come to Lubbock for a game eventually, know y'all aren't on the schedule this year, but someday soon, hopefully. Those would kind of be two or three things that I would partake if I was new to the West Texas region. Did I, did I leave anything out, Rob? Yeah, I mean, if you're here for a weekend and you're wanting to involve yourself into Lubbock, if it's the first First week of the weekend of the month, you can do the first Friday art trail. Uh, that's a fun thing here in Lubbock. Um, go down to the Blue Light, some live music there or on Broadway uh, if you're a, a traditional bar hopping kind of person. Um, there's options, man. I, I A lot of people disparage Lubbock nationally, the most boring city like in 2011. And that thing has stuck with us. It's, it's on the... It's, it's ingrained in the SEO value of Lubbock, uh, trying to break it. It is a much different place than it was in 2011. And I think it's really growing and thriving. And there's a solid art scene. There's a solid music scene. There's a solid food scene, the Nicolette. Uh, we're getting like chefs down here in Lubbock now. It's, it's, a growing, it's a growing city. Yeah, I think you just got to know kind of who to ask. Like if you are from Cincinnati and you've never – been here and you don't know anybody from here um i mean i think google can be a good resource but ask some locals like they'll they'll tell you the good 
if you want steak, they'll tell you the steakhouse. If you want Tex-Mex, they'll hook you up. Same with barbecue, the bar scene, kind of depending on what you want. There's everything. You know, there's there's college dive bars all the way up to um, like Funky Door has, I don't know, 800 different kinds of wine that you can sample. And we've got everything in between those two kinds of spots. So, yeah, I think Lubbock kind of gets a, a bad rap. But if you know what to do, know what to look for, you can make a really good weekend out of a trip to Lubbock. So, and we're happy to be a resource for any Cincinnati fans that, that ever come down here for a football game, basketball game, or otherwise. Uh, we'll make sure you definitely go home happy. Good stuff. So, I mean, we're, we're on the topic of food. And, and as I know this item, it is a, a food item. But enlightened fans, if Bearcats fans don't already know, tell us why are tortillas a part of game day? Please explain what that's about and how that got started. Do you know the specific announcer that said what he said, Kyle, from from the original story? There's a I few different stories. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know his name, but he, I think he was associated with Texas A&M. I think he was their play-by-play guy. Okay. He said, something about, he said something about the only thing in Lubbock is this football stadium and a tortilla factory or something to that effect. And so people started bringing tortillas to games and throwing them on the field at kickoff. And to add a little bit more context to that, you know, A&M left for the SEC more than a decade ago now. But from, I would say, really World War II up until when they left, some might disagree with me, but I would say that was Texas Tech's number one rivalry. And it was an extremely close rivalry. Like literally 1945 when the war ended until they left, it was exactly even. I, don't, I can't remember if it was, what, 28 games each or – but it was it was a dead heat, and those two programs aren't perceived evenly on the national landscape. But you kind of have this like East Texas rivalry; they're both sort of agriculture-related schools, and it, that was a fierce rivalry. And so, uh, I think that origin story uh, it sort of adds to it, uh, getting some traction. And but there's other there's totally different stories, Rob. Have you heard the one about like the Coke lids? Yes. They they so they they would take like the plastic soda lids and throw those in the air and when they banned them they replaced them with tortillas so like totally separate origin story that doesn't have as much you know hatred and rivalry behind it yeah it was before either of our time so i I don't know if anybody can say for sure but uh, those would i think kind of be the two most popular origin stories for the tortillas so dealing with origin stories here so tell us how you guys got started in producing, making content, uh, the podcast and uh, the blog and everything. How did, how did this thing that we see on Twitter or social media, how did this thing get started or, and why? So I've been in Lubbock Media for about eight years. And I guess six years into it, met Kyle on Twitter. We, we were not friends in real life, even though come to find out we lived on the same street at the time. Uh, but... He hit me up on Twitter and said, hey, do you want to start a sports gambling podcast? And at my point in my career, I was like, yeah, you know, let's do it. We met at a local supermarket that kind of had an eating area at the front. And we planned out the gambling gauchos and just kind of for fun at the beginning. And then it kind of grew into something a little bit bigger than fun. But we still have a lot of fun with it. Kyle, do you have anything uh, on the origins of the gauchos? No, I think that covers it pretty well. I mean, um, 
I, I guess most schools are like this. I've noticed this with Cincinnati. Like I, I follow probably at least four or five different Cincinnati podcast accounts. And there are a bunch of Texas Tech podcasts as well. And so we just wanted to do something a little bit different and kind of view things through the lens of sports betting odds. And uh, Rob and I have never uh, claimed to be like sharks or sharps or anything like that. We don't tell people, hey, get rich by taking our picks. We just like to kind of to view the games through that lens. Say like, okay, you know, we're going to Ames this weekend. We're three-point dogs. You know, let's let's go from there. So um, – and then, yeah, Rob, I was telling Brandon before you got here that we, we kind of fell into this Staking the Plains content network as well and wanted to sort of share exposure and visibility with other Texas Tech content creators. And so under the Staking the Plains banner, which is sort of a blog that we've tried to work to transition into a content network, we're, we're teamed up with, uh, I think, maybe the very first Texas Tech-specific podcast and then a a baseball specific podcast. Uh, so people kind of get their expertise in, in that realm uh, from that podcast. And then a, a, a newly launched one that uh, it covers all sports, but is one of the first to primarily focus on women's sports. And so uh, we sort of teamed up with these other podcasts. And I feel like across the four of us, people can get a little bit of everything. And um, so, yeah, we started two years ago, almost right around this time. It was super regionals, Omaha kind of week when Rob and I got this thing going um, so yeah, we're still pretty new at this and it feels like there's something new every, every month or so. And we're just along for the ride. Awesome. So, you know, as we, uh, you know, as they announced the, the four new schools coming into the big 12, you know, I try to follow at least one account, uh, podcast, blog, whatever. Um, I did that when we were for the American and then, uh, of course, for the Big 12 as well. And so one thing that I noticed with you guys right away uh, is that you guys put out great content, not only for tech fans, but you guys seem to really um, elevate the voice of Big 12 fans on social media as well. Is that something that uh, you've got, you've sort of, sort of like, you know, pivoted to or wanted to add on to, or has that kind of been a part of the thing uh, from the get-go? Yeah, I think it was certainly a pivot. Um we definitely started with the Texas Tech feel, but I think as we got into it and when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving and that happened, I think Kyle and I both felt disrespected by the national media at the time. And I think right around then started really voicing our opinions for the Big 12 because we believed in the conference. We believed that it could stay together and grow and thrive. I don't know that we both believe that at the beginning or all the way through, especially in those early days, but we had some good back and forths. And I, I think on Twitter that that really was where the big 12 audience grew as well. Uh, and then with, with the list that we do over the summer, that's really big 12 focused as well. And I think it grew that last summer as well. Yeah. I, I have very similar thoughts. Like when that Texas and OU news hit, I'm, I'm sitting there wondering, like, are we going to the Mountain West? Like, are my days of watching important college football games over with? And, like, are we going to the Pac-12? And then the Pac-12 blew up the next summer. And so I, I feel like it was sort of a bonding. And it's like the moment, you know, you and your little brothers are, like, wrestling with each other and you realize, okay, we got to grow up a little bit here and, like, stick together more than we tear our, each other apart. And so I was never a big conference rah-rah guy. Like, I made fun of the SEC for that all the time and, I think there's a fine line between like riding other people's coattails, which is what I think sort of happens in the SEC. 
Um, you know, like Kentucky football will pound their chest about something Georgia did. I'm not in the business of that, but I do think like the Big 12 is in a position moving forward. You know, we're we're at a financial resource disadvantage compared to the Big 10 and the SEC, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a very competitive product to offer on the field. Doesn't mean that, you know, there's no talent in the conference. And so, yeah, I think we sort of pivoted to that angle to say like, hey, you know, the Big 12 pound for pound had more draft picks than the ACC and the Pac-12 and our TV viewership is just as good as the ACC and the Pac-12. It's it's better than those conferences in a lot of ways. And so it does sting sometimes when you have to give TCU props for something that, you know, helps the image of the entire conference. But yeah, I think we sort of uh, started this podcast right as we were entering this brand new world of, of the new big 12. And so, yeah, trying to be a positive voice for the most part and, and elevate the conference's perception, um, even among fan bases of the conference itself like I think that there's still some fans sort of down in the dumps about oh we don't want to add these group of five schools and we're we're so far behind the Big Ten and the SEC and I think our mentality has always been let's let's make the most of this and from a fan base perspective from a competition standpoint this I think is going to be a really really fun conference moving forward and so we're just trying to lean into that and enjoy it as much as possible. So let's get into it a little bit here. Let's let's first talk about you know this. We're talking about the conference. You know we we have this. Um, I don't know if you would outspoken might be the wrong word, but a very vocal uh, new commissioner and Brett Yormark, um, full of ideas. Uh, just kind of give me your thoughts on on him and and the sort of vision he has for the conference so far. I think we both love him. Uh, when it was announced, we were kind of like, who is this? And then, you know, we kind of took one glance at his bio and we're like, okay, you know, this is, this is a different approach, but it's creative and, you know, it felt like a high risk, high reward sort of hire. And I think it's definitely, you're seeing that come to fruition. And so for a long time, in my opinion, this conference was crippled by a refusal to be forward thinking, a refusal to be creative. And it really was. And about 2012, Bearcats fans thought that too. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I hear you. Um, and you know, we're sitting here like, hey, BYU, Cincinnati, th- these are Power Five programs that are just sitting out there. But Texas and OU didn't want to add them, and everybody else was just along for the ride. And so, um, in fact, we even, when your mark was announced as the hire, we read like a fake quote from the news release um, on our podcast, and it was something about like you know, the student athlete and academics and blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't what the press release said. Like the press release, I don't have it memorized, but it was about like the changing landscape of collegiate athletics and taking the next step as a conference and doing new things. And we're like, okay, this is exactly what we've been pining for because the previous Mm -hmm. administrations were asleep at the wheel. So I think we were pretty jazzed about your mark from the jump, even though we didn't know who he was until that press release came out. And Maybe some of his ideas are a little too out there and maybe not everything is going to work out, but all in all, I mean, I would, I would grade him an A so far. And I think we're both fans of the commissioner. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, kind of not even getting the, I mean, I guess, what are we only 18 days away from officially being in the conference or something like that. Uh, But I I don't have any complaints. I know some people will say it might be some ideas might seem a little gimmicky or, or or things like that. But you know, when you have, if you're going to give more access to the fans in the locker room or at halftime, there's, you know, there's people, especially guys like that, uh, that us that'll, you know, take a snip 
of a clip from something and then, you know, turn that into something completely different uh, and make it, you know, internet content. I think there's a lot of, there could be a lot of value in that. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. The, the lineup of sports and the teams involved in big 12 Mexico uh, when that came out, you know, Houston and Kansas basketball, uh, for instance, I know that was, that was one of them. And I, I don't know if you guys um, can confirm this or if you guys know or not, but I listen to a lot of um, Big 12 radio on Sirius XM. And uh, one of the guys on there was talking about how Oklahoma State has a like a branch campus in Mexico City. Uh, and I was he was not aware of that at the time. And I, and I wasn't either. And it was just sort of a, sort of a weird fact that they kind of randomly threw, threw out there. But I could see, you know, the the bridge to making you know, Mexico city, uh, you know, more of a destination place to play, whether it be a bowl game or whatever, I could see that link there now. And another thing they pointed out was that it is the fifth largest city in the world. So plenty of new eyeballs for the conference there as well. However long, you know, big 12 Mexico happens to live on. Yeah. It's all about untapped markets and yeah. there's a bunch of untapped markets right now. The the naming rights for the conference. If you want to be the FedEx big 12, that's an untapped market because nobody's selling their conference. And I don't know if Brett Yormark is thinking about that. Um, now would, would Texas tech would, would Houston would Kansas would these big 12 schools be the first to play outside the country? No, but to do it in Mexico and to make it a thing and to have more than just a one-off with two schools going to Ireland and making it a part of the conference, that's the thing that really drives it. And I saw somebody talking about the Big 12 the other day, and they were saying, well, why are we trying to go to this untapped market when there's plenty of like, – that's exactly why. Like You're so close to getting it. It is a huge wealth of opportunity – to go down there and to get new fans. Well, they're not going to, they might. And if they don't, you know what they can do? They can stream from anywhere and you can watch right. football and you can pick a basketball team and you can watch from Mexico. So I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think a lot of the things he's done, I'm really excited for uh, the inside access. Now mm -hmm. I, I don't love like a, an in coach interview, it, it, right after the first quarter or during the first quarter or whatever. Uh, but if it's going to be locker room access, the thing about Kyle and I, uh, Kyle might debate this a little bit, but uh, any opportunity to start a bit or mm -hmm. a gimmick, we love bits and gimmicks. Uh, I, I'm a sports radio guy through and through. Um, if there's a bit to be had, I will do it. And it's going to be a really fun time to do. And I, I think Brett Yormark is a little bit in the same vein. If there's a gimmick to try, if there's a bit to do, um, he's going to try it. And if it sticks, it sticks. If not, we'll go to the next one. Absolutely. So let's let's uh, let's turn our focus here to more more Texas Tech. That's what that's why we ha we have you guys on here to to you know give us the, give us the crash course in uh, in Texas Tech sports. So sort of just some like basic overall questions here for you guys. You guys already brought up. Uh, taking on A&M, but let's, let's uh, stick to like in conference foes for this first set of questions here. So is it, what's uh, the favorite school to go up against? You know, if there's a team coming to Lubbock, who's the fan base getting up and excited for the most in the season? Who's the fan base getting up for? Or who are we getting up for? The fan base <laughs> is going to be Texas. 
Okay. Texas is always the sellout. Texas is uh, this fan base's Super Bowl in some in some opinions. Um, that's always the one that uh, looks more full now. A lot of that is Texas fans also show up in Lubbock. Um, there's because a there's a lot of a lot of Texas fans who live in Lubbock and yeah. have never attended that university in Austin. So that's mm. that's a funny dynamic as well. No, yeah. we have that dynamic here as well. Yeah, we call them yeah. t-shirt fans. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, t-shirt fans. Yeah, for sure. Um, for Kyle and I, I, I think we've really grown into wanting to play the Kansas States and the Iowa States, and we tried to get a, a Dust Bowl rivalry going with Oklahoma State last year. Um, we're really excited for the new the new uh, players in town to, to come and visit Lubbock and to go to those places. But I would say year over year, Oklahoma State and Texas, probably the two in football that people get up for most. Yeah, I think it's it's actually pretty close to a three-way tie. TCU, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, I would say, are all kind of on that same level. Now, the, the interesting part about it that Rob is kind of speaking to, like Baylor and TCU, there are travels with each other. They're always going to be number one for each other. But Oklahoma State kind of in the same boat we are. Their in-state rival is leaving. They're kind of looking around like, well, who's our primary rival? And so of remaining Big 12 schools, I think you have more history with Oklahoma State than anybody else in the conference besides Baylor. And I think you've played TCU a few more times than Oklahoma State. But you played Oklahoma State now, I think, close to 50 times in program history. Uh, 20, let's see here. 26 years in a row, 27 years in a row since the Big 12 was formed. But you also played them before the Big 12 was formed back in the 80s and further back than that. The all-time series, Oklahoma State leads by one game. Texas Tech actually had never trailed in the all-time series until Oklahoma State beat us last year. So I view those schools very similarly. The, the state of the programs over the last decade, Oklahoma State has been much better. But historically, 50, 60 years back, very competitive series. I think that's kind of the natural fit to be Texas Tech's top rival once we turn the page into the new conference. Very nice. I learned something new already there. I, I like that. So other than uh, other than the, the tortillas on the field, what, what is another uh, tech tradition that stands out or separates uh, the fan base or, or from or the fans, the students, the band, whatever that separates from from other fan bases? Even if I take off my scarlet and black colored glasses, I think we have a top five entrance in all of college football. I think Virginia Tech has an argument. I think Florida State has an argument, but that's because they copied what I'm about to tell you. But in the 1930s, um, the head coach at the time was trying to do something new to like fire up the crowd, get them into the game. And so he had a student dress in like a black mask, black cape, and ride a horse across the field before the game. And that eventually turned into the mask rider tradition, which didn't really take hold officially till the 50s. There was this one flash appearance in the 30s. And then in the 50s, we, I think, busted it out at the bowl game, actually, the Gator Bowl against Auburn. And the journalists that were covering that bowl game back in the 50s even remarked and wrote in the, I think it was the Atlanta Journal-Constitution the next day, said, this is the most incredible entrance I've ever seen at any sporting event and it lives on to this day so like as a team is coming out of the tunnel they have the smoke and everything and then they fire off um, some guns the horse runs out it looks really cool you know it's like solid black horse the mask rider has the mask the gaucho hat the red cape 
So it, it's quite the spectacle, and I think it, it's a unique tradition, or it was a unique tradition until Florida State and Oklahoma State stole it from us. But we were first, and it, it's quite the spectacle. And so I think that is probably the, the big tradition on game day that stands out among the rest. Very nice. I I will. I, I'm going to uh, to YouTube that once we get off of here, because I, I I've seen the others that you're talking about, the Virginia Tech, the Florida State, uh, as well as some others. So I'm, I will I will look that clip up here as soon as we get we get finished. Um, I know, like you said, um, we know everyone knows Texas and Oklahoma's leaving, but if is there a um, when you see this team on a schedule, you know, a non-conference game, who do you like if you could schedule? like a, a, a team every year for a non-conference game. Like for us, it would probably be Louisville. Uh, or uh, that's a, probably a pretty solid guess. So is there a, a team like that for you guys that you guys look forward to out of conference? Yeah, if they'd ever play us, it'd be Texas A&M. But they just left and never want to come back. I, I think there are a lot of schools. I'm really excited about this Oregon series that is starting. Okay. Um, Mississippi State is on the schedule. I loved when Texas Tech played Arkansas home and home. Um, that would be a really fun throwback to the Southwestern Conference. But uh, the Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State, is kind of a border conference throwback. Yeah, I, I said out of conference now. Which uh, true, true. They could be coming. <laughs> they could be coming. But I, I'd probably say a And I, I have, I've had this cool idea. So Matt Rule, the new head coach at Nebraska, he was head coach at Baylor. And our current head coach, Joey McGuire, was his top assistant. I've been lobbying for a, a three-game series with Nebraska, one in Lincoln, one in Lubbock, and then we'll play them at a neutral side at Arrowhead and like kind of fold Patrick Mahomes into that somehow. Um, there were some fun – okay, in the really early 2000s and in the late 90s, there were some not-so-fun games against Nebraska. But then when we got into like the middle of the Leach era, there were some fun games against Nebraska, and so – uh, you don't have any kind of like long storied rivalry with them, but a lot of tech students from the 90s or 2000s probably have fond memories of playing Nebraska, and that'd be a fun one to rekindle. And I think one of the few where you could do home and home and make a neutral site sort of makes sense for both parties. So I think that'd be kind of a cool one to schedule. Very nice. So what's, uh, yeah, we, we sort of, uh, I mean, kind of jokingly there talked about the, Arizona's coming over, but as a, a fan base or just your guys' opinions, do you have a sort of a pecking order as to who you would like to see the Big 12 go after first or who you would like to see them uh, leave alone completely? I don't know if we've ever kind of like power ranked them. I think the two big prizes, Oregon and Washington, you know, if you can get them, would probably enhance the media contract most. But like of the four corners or any group of five schools that are out there, my two favorites are are the two Arizona schools. I think, you know, that gets you into the Pacific time zone. There is actually a little bit of history there with Texas Tech because we were in the border conference with those two schools way back until the uh, 50s. So I think those would be my top two. And then like I could kind of take or leave Colorado, Utah, like, you know, if they all if all four of them want to come, I think you, you say great. But. The two Arizonas are the ones that I kind of really want from out west. And then um, I would love to add a few ACC schools, but I think that probably won't happen for a decade or so. Anyone so, no, go ahead. Anyone but Utah. I, I just don't like Utah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think uh, now that – so we had West Virginia. They've always been out on an island, and it's less of a problem now with Cincinnati. But, 
you know, if you added schools like Louisville, Virginia Tech, Pitt, like that's a lot of cool old Big East rivalries. And so Mm -hmm. I think you go out west this round if you can and then, you know, sit on that for eight or ten years. And if you can go out east, you know, if a couple ACC schools go Big Ten, SEC, I think you could have a really cool like 20-team conference-ish. And, you know, it it wouldn't make geographic sense in, in the respect that you're in four time zones, but you would start to piece together like in different pods and regions you know, some rivalries that make geographic sense and historical sense. So that's kind of my pipe dream, like take maybe four from the Pac-12 now and then get four or six from the ACC when the time comes and you could have a really solid looking conference by that point. I like that idea. And if we can leave UConn alone, I would not mind that at all. If if I don't never have to interact with their fans again, I'll be I'll be happy. So that's Gonzaga. Sure. Why not? UConn, please. No, God. Let's uh let's talk about football though. Let's let's um you know, that'll be the first uh, season that that Bearcats fans will experience in the Big Twelve. Sort of paint us a picture of what game day is like in Lubbock. Whether you know let's say it's a late afternoon game or something. Uh, you know when does when does the tailgating start? Uh, do you serve beer in your stadium? Um, you know, sort of give us the vibe and uh, the the atmosphere around the stadium on game day. The atmosphere is fairly electric. I. I like the tailgating scene. Um, it's it, you know, I wouldn't say it starts way early. Like if it's a, a three o'clock, you're probably not out there at six a.m. But come around eleven, it's really getting full in the parking lot and and getting around and getting into it. There's some a couple of big tailgating scenes and then kind of dispersed throughout. Uh, you have Raider Alley now kicking back into full gear. Uh, there, the players stop at a bus and walk about a half mile up to the stadium and, and fans kind of gather and about an hour before kickoff kind of gather around this half mile run. And that started last year again. That was something that happened during the leech era. Um, I would say the game day experience is growing with Joey. I think it kind of was lackluster there for a while under Matt Wells and maybe even the tail end of the Cliff Kingsbury experience. Um, but I think the, the game day atmosphere is growing and yes, there is beer in the stadium. That's also fairly recent. Um, but beer in the stadium, again, can cocktails in the stadium, which be careful with those because they are like 10%, uh, alcohol by volume and they can get you pretty good if you, if you don't pay attention to what you're doing. But, um, yes, there is an opportunity to be drunk and low. We're not dry anymore. We used to be nice. Yeah, if it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, uh, first off, our fans will complain about that all week on Twitter. Um, but you know, people make the most of it. They'll they'll do mimosas, they'll make breakfast tacos at the tailgate tent instead of you know barbecue or whatever. So yeah, it, it's it's turning into a good time. It, it obviously, like most places, it sort of reflects how good the team is. And 2011 through 2020 was literally the worst decade in program history. And it's kind of trended up the last couple of years and excitement is at an all time high all time since like 2008. Um, <laughs> it's all time in the last decade and a half, but, but yeah, coach McGuire does have a ton of excitement back into the game day atmosphere. And so I think if Texas tech can keep winning a little bit more like they did last year, you know, the game day atmosphere will continue to follow. Um, so, yeah, it's it's trending up for sure. So, um, 
I, I should have looked this up, but if my memory serves me right, Texas Tech is eight and five last year. Eight and five. Okay, so what's the what's the sort of outlook for the team going into twenty twenty three here? Um, I can see Rob smirking. Uh, Rob and I. So our fan base is like kind of convinced we're going 15 and 0 and like all the way to the natty. And, you know, we're trying to tap the brakes just a little bit because that's that's a big leap. Um, and, and that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But people are talking about like the Big 12 championship game. And, uh, e- you know, even that, especially with 14 teams, is so hard to do. Um, I, I think Rob and I are sort of in the minority of the fan base. So our thought process is if you can win eight games – like you did last year, whether that's eight in the regular season or, you know, maybe nine with a bowl win, that, that that's still a step in the right direction. And that that would probably leave you short of some of those really lofty expectations. But, you know, I think the number in Vegas is seven and a half. And they're usually not wrong by like three full games. I mean, it, it has happened. And I, I think that this is the right coaching staff 100%. And they might surprise some people. But um, I, I think like nine wins is a – semi-realistic and also optimistic outcome. I just sort of fear that if you go like eight and four, people are going to be disappointed with that somehow, even though the over would cash if you go eight and four. And so like, to me, that's not a bad season at all. And, you know, a couple more recruiting cycles, Texas, know you leave, you can build up to more of those like 10 win conference title game expectations. Mm -hmm. So I think Rob and I are maybe a little more level-headed than some of the rest of the fan base. And, you know, that's not a that's not a shot or anything like, you know, we we follow this to get excited and to have hopes and expectations. So I'm glad everybody um, wants to win a lot of games and thinks we can win a lot of games. Um, but we might have a slightly lower expectations than sort of the um, popular mindset among the fan base. All right. So. Let's let's transition here to basketball. I know Tech has a has had a, a solid program for a while now. I'm sure you got. I mean, if you uh, if you catch a, a any Big Twelve game, but a, a Texas Tech game on ESPN or whatever, I mean, the crowds seem you know ready to bring it uh, every night. I mean, with a with a gauntlet that is Big Twelve basketball, you have to uh, pray that you have a, a home court advantage. Uh, every time that you can get it. So talk to us about, uh, about what is, I mean, big 12 basketball, no joke. Uh, I know as Bearcats fans, we know Wes Miller has done a, what we think is a really good job trying to prepare for, for that huge step up in competition. So give us, give us a rundown sort of, uh, what makes tech basketball so, so exciting in the wintertime. You know, it's an interesting time for Texas tech basketball. It is right. You guys, new coach coming in. Yeah, kind of a changing season. Um, still don't have a full staff. Still recruiting a roster. Um, but I- I'll say this: over the last five, six, seven years, this program has really built something special. Um, and I hope it is sustainable through now a third coach, third head coach, um, really a fourth head coach. It began under Tubby Smith, and then obviously Chris Beard built. Um, really the atmosphere back up to probably its best in the United Supermarkets era. Um, But it's rare you don't have 14,000 strong in a 15,000-seat arena. Um, Sellouts are not rare anymore. And you really have 
a, a really good student section in basketball called Raider Riot that is organized and full most games. And I, I, I love what the basketball program has done. But again, you ask us at a weird time because I don't know that that is going to be sustained strongly um, with the new coach. I just I, I can't say it, it will be. I hope it is. I like Grant McCasland. I think he was a good hire. Um, he seems excited. He was very excited about the atmosphere, keeping it going. And even losing the first eight Big 12 games this season, it didn't wane. The, the, the audience didn't wane. The, 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 the power of the USA was still there. So I think it'll still be exciting. I think the Big 12 basketball world has even gotten stronger with Houston and Cincinnati and BYU. Um, and I leave out UCF on purpose. They'll be, they'll be big mad about that. But I do. Yeah, they can be. Um, the Twitter mafia is going to come get me, but I don't care. Uh, but, I, but I just – I'm cautiously optimistic about this basketball program moving forward. But, again, new coach. We don't know the full staff yet. We don't know the full roster yet. Um, but I do know that the USA will be hopping. Yeah, the, the glory days were really something in, for Texas Tech basketball. I mean, like you had a stretch there. You beat – you beat Texas, you beat Kansas, you know, postseason, you, you beat Purdue, you beat Michigan State, you beat Gonzaga, like literally line up any blue blood in the country and like we'll go toe-to-toe them. We might not beat them, but it's going to be unpleasant. We beat Michigan, beat them by like 30 points. And so it, that was a fun era and got really close to winning it all in 2019. Uh, but yeah, like Rob said, what what that led to is a really good, really strong home court advantage, and you need that in the Big Twelve because like there are literally ten tournament teams. Well, back when the conference had ten, every year, but like somebody has to finish ninth or tenth, and they're going to take enough L's that they don't have a tournament resume. But I'm I'm a pretty big believer. Like the tenth place team in the Big Twelve, if you made them an eleven seed in the tournament, like they would they would be a tough out in round one, and so. You add to that Houston, who's been a top five or ten team. You add BYU, Cincinnati, which are two programs I think have a lot of potential, a lot of support. Uh, it's crazy. Like UCF really – I'm not trying to pick on them, but they're like the redheaded stepchild. Um, like every other basketball program has insane potential and or very recent success. And UCF uh, – they might have potential. They, they certainly don't have recent success. But – uh, I think Rob always says Big 12 basketball is what SEC football thinks it is. And like, okay. So, like, Mizzou and Kentucky think they're good at football because they have SEC on their chest and they're not. They stink at football. But like, Oklahoma State, as the eighth place team in the Big 12, is still a really good basketball team. And they could go beat a top three or four team in another Power Five conference at a neutral site. I think West Virginia was like seven and 11 in Big 12 play last year but they were net 19 or 20. You know, they, you have analytics saying that they're a top 20 team in the country and they're seven and 11, four games underwater in big 12 play. So Texas tech missed the tournament. I think we finished five and 13, but so many one and two point games, like they could have gotten to eight and 10 and been a tournament team with the exact same roster construction. And, and so it, the conference is insane. Like it, it's almost hard to overstate how good top to bottom it has been. And, um, you know, it sucks because you can have a good team that goes below 500, but it's also – I think it lends itself to really good atmospheres, really competitive games from January through March. And so it's a lot of fun. 
So if you guys had to pick a a third sport that stands out at Texas Tech, if, you know, we'll, we'll consider uh, football and basketball the the top two. I mean, that's pretty probably pretty standard at most places. So what's the the third sport that uh, people get excited for? Is there more than one? Uh, how, what's that look like for you guys? Well, you're giving us a lot of opportunity to, to brag here because how about we, it? We have the uh, two-time reigning Ben Hogan Award winner Ludwig Aberg. He's a Swedish American golfer. He just finished his collegiate career onto the PGA Tour. I think he and John Rahm are the only two guys who have won that award twice. Uh, Victor Hovland from Oklahoma State also won the award. So he's in some really good company with guys that are winning at the professional level. So that's kind of a recent one. People would tell you golf. Um, our men's track and field team won the national title, the team national title in 2019, I think it was. Um, our women's basketball program won a national title with Cheryl Swoops back in the 90s. Um, kind of hit a dormant phase over the last decade, but really bouncing out of that. They definitely have the right coach to build the culture there, and she's assembling some really good roster talent. Um, and then baseball, I think, is the the elephant in the room. That, that's probably the correct answer. Uh, four trips to Omaha in the last decade. They've wow. hosted regionals, super regionals. They've won the Big 12. And Big 12, um, especially before Texas' departure, really, really strong baseball conference with Oklahoma State, Texas, TCU, Texas Tech. So, yeah, there's kind of always been – in this period where we've not been so great at football, you know, that sort of brings – fan interest and energy down a little bit but several other sports have found different levels of success and kind of made things interesting to follow year round and i probably even forgot one or two that that rob could uh point out some achievements we've had recently but um yeah it's kind of been a a, a fun era across several different sports i would agree with yours soccer yeah They've had they've I mean, we have we have women's soccer, we have volleyball, but I wouldn't say that I mean they've been to the tournament for sure. Yeah, yeah soccer's been in the postseason at least, you know, yeah. several times. So anyway. Very cool. So, gentlemen, I only have a couple more questions here uh, left for you. Uh, certainly appreciate your time giving us, uh, you know, some great insight on how uh, the Red Raiders do things. And um, and what I've come to learn that is one thing I've come to learn following you guys and, and others is that uh, it's all West Texas, right? Even as I sit here today, I guess it would, it would be, it is all West Texas. I, I love the, um, like, just like the, like the, um, the vacation f photos and like someone just has like a, that t-shirt on or something and they're in like Rome or, you know, California or wherever they may be. So I do get a kick out of that. So it is in fact all West Texas, but we've gone 47 minutes now on this podcast and we've not talked about any of our similarities that we have as, um, as a fan base, uh, both, uh, programs now repping the red and black, right? So that's an obvious one right off the bat there. Uh, we share a common history with a United States Senator who, uh, does have me blocked on twitter.com. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we, we, and then of course you got, you brought up, um, the Mahomes, we have the Mahomes and, and Kelsey connection there, uh, living it up to a lot of Cincinnati fans' dismay uh, in, with the Chiefs. So, well, I guess I don't really have a question there other than just pointing out those sort of, sort of similarities. Um, but 
if we if we're bringing him up, do you have a what's like the best, the funniest, or maybe the worst story you have on uh, Senator Tuberville? Oh man. Um. Well, now, I'll throw out there. I I did really enjoy that video of him slapping the headset off the guy. That's up there for me. It's not quite go to hell, get a job, but it's 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 probably a you know top five Tuberville moment for me. The the best Tuberville story from Lubbock was him leaving. Sorry, the the story that is that he left in the middle of a recruiting dinner from a restaurant called the Fifty Yard Line. The story is that he climbed out of the bathroom window. <laughs> I I don't think he did. He probably walked out the front door. But the best part of the story is some guys got the fax number for the Cincinnati coach's office and faxed him the menu for the 50 yard line asking him if he still wanted to order dinner. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. yeah. I, I mean, we, we did you guys a solid, you guys, you guys are welcome. We, I don't, I don't know what the golf courses are like in, in Lubbock, but uh, Tupperville can certainly tell you what they're like here in Cincinnati. Yeah, and once he left, he did compare Lubbock to Iraq. Oh yeah, Iraq. oh yeah, I do remember that. That's up there as well. That's that's pretty wild. So that's a quote, but that was after he had already maybe even left Cincinnati. He he was talking about his time in, in his defense. He doesn't know where Iraq is either. No, I I heard this secondhand in an interview some former players from that era did with um, a, a different website that covers Texas Tech. And they said he was just like so absent during practice. You know, like he had a golf cart and that was kind of like the mm -hmm. symbolism oh, of same. Yeah. like the laid back detached head coach. And so like he had no idea what went on at practice. And so he would just at the end of practice, the guys would assemble and he was like, you know, the effort was piss poor today. Like that sucked. We got to be way better. And guys like looking around, they're like, we had a good day of practice. Today. Like, what are you talking about? So he was just making it up and, you know, cash and checks. Good for him, I guess. But it came at our expense as as fans that are, I guess, we're more invested in the program than a guy who's getting paid to to uh, captain the ship there. So, yeah, I wish I had a long list of positive memories to share with you, but the truth is, I just don't. Yeah, I, same here. I was, I was, uh, I'm ashamed to say that I went to his like press conference for like to uh, announcing, uh, you know, him taking the position. But, uh, yeah. Too too bad. We luckily he represents us all in the United States Senate. I, I had one of his former players on a, a linebacker, Zach Edwards, here maybe last season or the season before. And I had, one of the last questions I asked him was, you know, if if you were a citizen of of Al the state of Alabama, would you vote for your former coach? And he gave a pretty emphatic hell no. So kind of tells you all all you need to know there. Uh, Last last question here for you guys. You guys are a uh, you, like you said. Explain to your uh, talk gambling, talk numbers, talk lines. All right. So I got a, a last question here for you. I think I I have an idea what you guys will say, but regardless, I want to ask because I'm anxious to hear what you what you have to say here. This was a gambling question. So this is brought to you by the BetStamp app. Uh, the app not only allows you to line shop so you can find the best odds across all sports books, it also tracks your bets all in one location so you don't have to flip in between sports books. Uh, so it's great for those of you like me who's using multiple sports books, whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, whatever, tracks everything in one spot. Download the app and use the referral code GOBEERCATS. With that said, if I gave you guys Texas and TCU 
or the field, who are you taking? To win the Big 12 in football? To win the Big 12 in football, yes, sir. Sorry, I, that's let me complete my thought. Yes. I am a field guy. I will generally always bet the field. I will probably – I've not done it yet, but I will probably pick Texas to be in the Big 12 championship. Um, but even so, I, I think TCU is losing too much to be value there. So I would take the field. I think that's a pretty good way to handicap it. Uh, I'm, I'm similar. I think TCU lost too much to get back to Arlington one year later. Um, I, I'll lean field as well. I, I just think there's so much parity. Um, I think Texas is likely to get there, but I think whoever they're up against, it would be a pretty competitive game. And so it's close, but I'll take the field. I think there's going to be, I think OU will be competitive. I think Baylor, Texas Tech will be competitive. So Kansas State, of course, the reigning champs, I think they'll be competitive. So I think there's enough across the board among the field that I'll, I'll lean that way, but it, it's very close. You could have a Big 12 title game with a couple of nine and three teams this year. Yeah. And the last three years, six different teams have played in the title game. And Texas isn't even one of them. They're the odds-on favorite this year. So if it's Texas and an eighth team, you could have a four-year stretch where no team appears in the title game twice. That's how much parity and how competitive this conference has been. So anyway, I, I think that speaks to um, what we have ahead of us as fans of this conference. Very good. I, I think I change my mind every time I ask the question. I think you guys are the third time that I've thrown that question out, and I, I think I've flip-flopped every time. So, I don't know. There's only one way to find out. I know people in Cincinnati are super excited. Uh, like you guys said, unfortunately, we don't have you guys on the schedule this year. Whoever did make the, the schedule this year for us did go easy on us uh, in a lot of regards, and I'll certainly thank them for that because I, I took the over at four and a half or whatever it was. So, uh I like our chances. Uh, I think a lot of Bearcats fans are just hoping for uh, bowl eligibility this year, which six wins, we'd certainly take that. And uh, I look forward to interacting with you guys more on Twitter. Uh, certainly keep in touch with you guys and see if we can't have you back on here sooner than later. Maybe uh, mid-season basketball talk, because I'm sure we'll be on the schedule and we can sort of preview what's happening there in the midst of Big 12 basketball. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having us. And we will be rooting for Cincinnati against UCF whenever that game unfolds. Or at least I will be. I don't want to speak for Rob. But I love watching those two fan bases go at it on Twitter. And I think I like Cincinnati. Yeah, I love that you guys, at this point. you guys point that out. We are or not we, the the two fan bases are uh, we're arguing over the number of bathrooms or something in the yeah. stadium. That was great. So we'll argue about anything. I, I, I've been guilty of that as well with them. So. Uh, certainly appreciate it, gentlemen, and uh, we'll, we'll have you back on. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thanks, man.